So speaking of dreams, Martin Luther King had the dream that he communicated so well. We've been talking about Vision 2024 here the last several weeks from Acts chapter 24. And we talked just briefly about vision, how vision is a revelation from God. And when there is no, where there is no vision, Proverbs 29, 18 tells us that where there is no vision that we cast off restraint. And we don't want to be a people that are that, that have cast off restraint. We want to be a disciplined people. We want to be an, an obedient people, serving God, worshiping God, loving God, loving our neighbors as ourselves. And so we all have visions and, and that, that God has given us. You have a dream. You have heart's desires. And when we talk about dreams and visions, many times when, when, when you hear them being spoken of, whether it be in a, in a spiritual setting, such as in a local church, or even from a secular sec, uh, standpoint, many times the, the visions are being communicated uh, from a perspective of this is the vision of, like here would be, this is the vision of Grace Church. You're at another church, you might be talking, this is our vision. You may be in corporate America, they may be talking about their vision, that type of thing. But I want you to realize that when vision is spoken of here, when I speak about vision, obviously I share my vision from an illustrative standpoint and, and, and also try to, to, to bring to our remembrance the, the purposes that God has in store for the local church. But what's really important is, is, is to understand that it's, it's important to know that what really motivates you, what really gets you into motion is your vision. People that, people that don't have vision cast off restraint. And it's the people that have vision of their own are the ones that are motivated because it's your vision that motivates you. So don't just think, well, I really don't know what my vision is, so I just kind of go along with someone else's vision. Uh, you know, your vision that you have from heaven will include dimensions that concern our culture, our community, our families, and yes, the local church, and yes, the whole world. So don't be afraid to ask God for a vision. You think, well, who am I to have a vision? I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a behind-the-scenes person. I'm going to support this vision. I'm going to support that vision. You will support larger visions. Your vision will fit in. For example, your vision fits into the local church. You might have a, a, a vision to, you know, whatever it may be. But your vision is going to and will, a vision from heaven, will fit into and be supportive of and complementary of the local church. So don't be afraid to ask God for it. Don't ever be afraid to ask God for a vision. Because he has given you dreams. He's given you desires. You know, as you delight yourself in the Lord, the psalmist said, as you delight yourself in the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. I don't personally think, I, it may be applicable, but I really think when he's saying delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desire of your heart. Is that what it's doing? When you delight yourself in God, he gives you your heart's desire. And it's the things that you're desiring are birthed in you by God. And you can trust it and it will honor God. And like I said, it will have dimensions that concern culture, community, your local church the families and, and so forth. And so be passionate about following after God, honoring God, delighting yourself in the Lord and allowing him to give you the vision and the dreams in your heart to birth them out of your heart. 
And when that happens, you'll find a natural sequence taking place. When you begin to receive vision from God, there's a natural sequence that takes place. I just want to give it to you real quickly. Number one, I call it the, the thought at stage. That's when you start thinking about something. When you first start thinking about something, it may seem very remote. It may seem way out there like, wow, that thought keeps coming back to me, but yet it seems unattainable. But it begins as a thought, that, and, and, and it's a recurring thought. It just keeps coming back to you at the oddest times. It, and you begin to think, could it be? Could it be? So that's the beginning stage. It's like, I thought it. This is when the dream, it flashes by and say, could it really be? And what, if, what would happen if I followed through on that? You have that, that, that I thought it stage. Then it moves into, from that first sequence, from I'm thinking about it, that thought keeps occurring to my mind. I, 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 I can't quite push it aside. I, I try to ignore it, but it keeps coming back to me. Then it comes into, eventually it evolves into, I caught it. I caught it. So first it's I thought it, and then I caught it. And it's after thinking about some of the ideas, the thoughts you've been having, uh, you, get, you begin to get, you, be, you begin to believe in it, you begin to get excited about it, and you even find yourself beginning to talk about it. And yes, if you dare say it, you even begin to envision yourself in it, it becoming a reality. So it starts off, I thought it and I caught it. I'm seeing myself in it and I find myself talking about it. And sometimes I even have to check myself. Did I just say that? Did I really, did I really take a step in that direction? So you, th you, you thought it, you caught it. And the third step in the sequence here is that I bought it. I bought it. This is when you begin to make an investment into it. You actually, you're no longer just thinking about it, but you've really caught a hold of it. You see yourself in it. You're talking about it. Now you're beginning to make an investment in it. You're beginning to make an investment. This is when you start talking to the architect and you begin developing the blueprint of the, of the dream, of the vision. And then from the I bought it stage, it eventually comes into the I got it. I got it. This is where we can say, I'm glad I thought it. I'm glad I dreamed the dream. I can now see it with my eyes. I can now touch it with my hands. But whatever that fulfillment is, vision, it's your vision that will motivate you. It's your vision will be the one that motivates you to take these actions and to follow through these sequences of thinking it, catching it, buying into it, and eventually, I got it. We can now share it with one another. And so when we're talking about Acts 2024 20, vision, I'll read that verse to you. Again, this is the Apostle Paul sharing at a, at a leader's conference in, in, at Ephesus, and he's closing out the conference, and he's making these statements about his life, just reflecting on his life purpose. He's, he's telling the leaders there that he's, bound or that he's compelled. You know, it's his vision. It's his calling. In verse 22 of Acts chapter 20, he says that I, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit has testified, testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me. He said, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen, but I'm compelled to go to Jerusalem. I know there's going to be opposition there. I know there's going to be tests and trials and, 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 and challenges there, imprisonments. But 
Verse 24 says, but none of these things move me. Notice, knowing that he has a dream, knowing he's compelled to go to Jerusalem, knowing there'll be some severe opposition. He says, I don't allow that to move me. Notice, I'm not going to allow that to hinder me from fulfilling the dream, the vision in my life. I will not allow it to stop. I'm going to go. I'm going to do this. And then he makes this bold statement. He says, nor do I count my life dear to myself. We, we talked about that on January the 5th, meaning that he, he, he was selfless. He was selfless. And the reason he made that statement, I, I, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. He said, so that. Everyone say, so that. So that I might finish, I might finish my race with joy. And then he talked about what that, what that calling was. He said, and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And I mentioned on, on the 5th, on, on January 5th, when we shared this verse, that, uh, that this has been uh, my life purpose verse for many, many years. I've had this verse underlined and in my Bible I have written in here, my life purpose, the, the Bible I had prior to this and I have it written in there, my life purpose. I don't exactly remember when that occurred, but somewhere in my, uh, in my story, I heard someone say, you, you know, you should, you, should, you really, there's probably a, a verse somewhere in the Bible. There's a verse in there that defines your gifts and your calling and your purpose. And you, know, you should be able to identify that. What is your life purpose? And that's, that's the one that came to me. I thought, that, that's it. I'm, I'm called to proclaim the gospel of the grace of God. And I felt like I was called to come here and, and into this area and pioneer a work. And thus we have the name Grace Church. So that's been my gift and my calling. And, and, and it, it's, it's been a great journey. And personally, I've been uh, a in church my entire life. I grew up going to church on a regular basis. My parents were God-fearing parents. And it, uh, even though I went to church on a, on a regular basis, it was, it was an oddity not to go to church. But almost every Sunday morning, I'd be in church. But it wasn't until I was 21 years old that I finally came to a place of surrender and I said yes to Jesus' invitation for my life. To, to receive the gift of eternal life, you know, based on John 3, 16, that re recognized that God loved me. God so loved the whole world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I surrendered my life to God and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And I remember experiencing a joy that particular evening that I had never experienced before. And it was, it was a delightful, it was wonderful. And as I shared this uh, throughout the years, I, I, I mentioned that I got born again several times since then because of the particular church I was in at that time, you know, it just made me feel that I needed to get saved again. If you did anything wrong this week, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I know looking back, now that I know the word and, and I know what it is to be born again, I know that particular night that I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But I wanted to share with you this, that that may not have happened without some expression of a local church. For the church is made up of people. And there's many people, there are many links in the chain in my story of leading me to this particular church. First of all, it would have been my parents taking me to church every week, getting in the habit of going to church. Then it was uh, other friends and people I worked for, people I worked with, 
just various links in the chain. Finally, one night, I ended up in a church service. Salvation message was presented, and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And it just made me uh, appreciate, and thinking back over that, to, to remind myself that, yes, the church is made up of people. And the people of the church are the ones that invite you in, and they point you to Jesus, and they encourage your faith. And so it's important to recognize that when you disconnect from the church, you begin to drift spiritually. So it's vital to be hooked up to a local church. Church for me, and maybe most likely for most of you, if you've been to church any amount of time, but uh, church for me has changed a lot in my spiritual walk with God. I, the church I grew up in, all the music, there was no music. Everything was a cappella. The only instrument they had was the little pitch pipe thing with the, the song leader. But, you know, he'd blow the little pitch thing to get the right tune. <laughs> and so I, this particular church I got saved, and you'll enjoy this. I was in this particular church, and this church had a contemporary worship team. They had a piano, they had a guitar, and they had drums. And here, here's the posture I had in that church that night growing up in a in a conservative Mennonite church with all a cappella music. I can remember standing there during the worship time. I didn't really know the song, so I'd sing along a little bit, but I remember thinking, I remember reading in the Psalms about stringed instruments, so okay. The guitar is a stringed instrument. The piano, okay, strings. But that drum... That drum, that's just not right. <laughs> you know, that, 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 was, that was a deal breaker for me. But nonetheless, God got a hold of me. So church has changed a lot in my life. But the good news is the mission of the church has remained the same. Our methods are radically different, but the message hasn't changed. The current culture today is very different. But the human heart, the condition of the human heart remains the same. We all need Christ and we need one another. And that truth will never change. Therefore, we have what's called the local church. Jesus' statement about the church, when he introduced the church in Matthew 16 and verse 18, he said, on this rock, on this revelation, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So the church is the greatest force on earth to that end in people receiving the gospel like I received it when I was 21 years old and surrendered my life over to Jesus. And so I want to close out today by giving you and close out this series entitled Vision 2024 to give you some really good reasons of why it's important to be connected to a local church. And if you live in this area, it's really important to be connected to Grace Church, because Colossians tells us that we are to sing with grace. Amen. So people say, I'm praying about where to go to church. Well, when the scriptures tell you, you don't need to pray about it. Just sing with grace. So I know there's other good churches in the area. There really are. And so, uh, but and God has a place for each one of us. But I think grace is good. I heard the pastor's pretty good. I also heard that he's walking out on you in a couple of years, but 
That's what, 2020, that's what 2024 is all about. There's a succession plan in place, and we're, the, the goal is that in 2024 there'd be a succession to a, another lead pastor. So, And we continue to invite you to keep that in prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to have his way. Jesus said he's building the church. If it's built on me, we're all in trouble. So let God continue to build the church. Amen. So some really good reasons why to be connected to the local church. Number one is that you are better together. We are better together. None of us are as strong alone as we are when we're together. It's called synergism. And in Ephesians chapter 4, if you turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, I want to share with you some of the gifts that Jesus gave to the church and how it ties in with what's been happening here at Grace Church. But in Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 11, it says, He himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. I believe in my callings. I've been called as a pastor and a teacher in the vision to, to, to pioneer the church here known as Grace Church. Then the, the reason and the purpose of the gifting here and my gifting in verse 12 is for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. So that's the, that's the purpose. That's the purpose. Equipping, building up, edifying the body of Christ and the desired outcomes Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him, who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part, I'm going to say every part, that means every person, every part does its share, causes or results in growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So we are better together. When every person is doing their part, we become stronger. The local church becomes stronger. It becomes a more dynamic force in our local community. And it's God's plan. It's God's plan of getting the story of redemption out to a lost and dying world. And God has chosen to work through the vehicle known as the local church. Number two really good reason to be involved and in, 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 in connected to the local church is that redemption has always been God's purpose, and he appointed the church to carry out that purpose. Redemption is God's purpose, and he appointed the church to carry out that purpose. Just look back one more chapter, chapter 3 of Ephesians and this is such a powerful, powerful statement here that the Apostle Paul is, is, is making to the church at Ephesus, also applicable to us today. But it's, it, it's really hard to wrap your mind around the, 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 the whole scope and the bigness of this. But uh, let's see how I want to say this. The Apostle Paul here is, is, is giving the, the, the purpose. He, let me put it this way. Paul is the apostle who received the revelation of the dispensation of the grace of God or the dispensation of the church of God, which is the dispensation that we're living in today. 
ever since Pentecost until Jesus comes back, the government that the church is to function under is a government of God's grace, no longer under the law of Moses, but we're now under a dispensation of grace. Nathan mentioned it when he opened the service, you know, mercy. It's the mercy of God, the grace of God. So that's the government that, that, that is the order of business. That's why we emphasize grace over law. And, and so he received that revelation and he begins speaking about it in the beginning of chapter three, and then he, then he transitions into talking about the purpose of this revelation, the purpose of this mystery. In verse nine, it says, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery or the administration, the dispensation of grace, which from the beginning of ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. Now, verse 10, this is so powerful. Listen to this. It says, to the intent, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. In heavenly places. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So redemption has always been God's purpose, and he appointed the church, again, verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the, doesn't say the government, it says the church, the body of Christ. That includes you. The, the, when it's, the, the church can be a universal term, and it also can refer to a local entity such as Grace Church or any other churches in our community that are proclaiming the gospel. But you are the church. We're one body, many members. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul goes into great detail, and he uses a human anatomy as an analogy for the local church. Now, we're not all the eye, we're not all the ear, we're not all the nose, but you know, we're, we're many parts, but one body. And no one is more valuable than, than, no part is more valuable than another part. So that's what the church is. And it's the, the, uh, through the church, through you, through us collectively, we're stronger together, we're wiser together, we're better together. But through us collectively, the manifold, multifaceted wisdom of God is made known by us to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. That is why the church is here. It's God's idea. And Jesus said, I'm going to build this church. I'm going to build it, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So don't ever buy into the idea that, 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 that the church is dying, the church is dwindling, the church is no longer relevant. It, it, it's, more, it's as relevant today as it was when Jesus first said, I'm going to build it, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Amen? And so really good reason to be why it's important to be invested in and be a part of local churches. You, we are much better together. You are better uh, being connected. And redemption is God's purpose, and he has appointed the local church to carry out that purpose. Without local churches, the expressions of the universal church, an expression of the universal church would be a local church, such as Grace Church. And without churches such as Grace Church or other churches throughout our community that are proclaiming Jesus Christ as, as Lord, as redemption through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the, 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 the mission of, the, of, of, of redemption 
It's much slower. It's much more difficult. And so the church is God's idea. We come together. We encourage one another. And also uh, recognize that uh, with uh, the church being God's idea, doesn't that make it worth more than an academic consideration or a sporadic participation during holidays or during times of crises? There's some people refer to them as crises Christians. Every time they go through a crisis, they show up in church, and a couple weeks later, when they're through that difficult time, when they feel like, okay, I'm not going to die, then they're off. You don't see them again. That type of thing. So the church, I really think, is worth deep consideration and participation in the local church. And we need to come to a place where, we're, where we're, we are not so sporadic in our participation. We're not so touchy-feely in, in jumping around to different churches or going to church or not going to church. We need to be connected. Number three, really good reason it's important to be connected to the local church is that we drift spiritually when we are not connected. We drift spiritually when we're not connected. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so, much, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So the closer we're getting to the return of Jesus Christ, it's even more important that we stay connected, that you are participating in the local church, that you, you, you are actively participating in it, and, and says so not forsaking, but we come together, we consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Ladies and gentlemen, we are better together. Let's just say that together. Say, we are, we are. better together. Amen. Some argue that the church is really not required for salvation or for spiritual growth. You know, that's legalism. That's what they're saying. That's what some say. And my response to that is, that's true, but it's only a half-truth. You can get saved and you can grow spiritually, but it's only a half-truth. And half-truth often lead us down very dangerous paths. The other half is the overwhelming evidence that when we are connected to a group of faithful, committed believers, faithful participants in our church that God has called us into, the likelihood of your continued spiritual growth and well-being is exponentially higher. So to me, the church has been vital in my life. I thank God for the many links in the chain of people that had an interest in my life. And I thank God that I finally ended up 
at a church in Atlin, Pennsylvania on a Sunday night, on a particular Sunday night when a particular minister was there and preached a salvation message and gave an altar call and I responded and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, experienced a joy like I had never before experienced. I thank God for that. And I thank God for the expressions of the local church that are available to us today. But Pastor Ray, you know, the culture has changed. It has changed. And, you know, we, have, we, we, we now have a, the ability to, to just watch church online. You do have the ability to watch church online, and that's wonderful. Add that to your local participation. If all you have is church online, call that online preacher and have him come do your wedding. Have him come do your funeral. Have them come do your hospital visitations and see how well that works for you. But there's a place for, there's a place for online. We thank God for technology. You Pastor Ray, you're sounding pretty old. I may be old, but I'll tell you what. We gave you the moon, we gave you the internet, and we gave you computers. My generation, I'm saying we. Not very proficient at any of them, but we gave them to you. So you all go ahead and get very proficient in them and have the blessings come back at us. So I want to share that with you this morning. I love what God has called me to do. Love what God is doing in and through the local church here known as Grace Church. Knowing they have a bright future is ahead of us. I just want to really encourage all of us to remind ourselves that we will always be better together. Redemption is God's idea. And it's the church's responsibility to, to carry that out. And if we don't participate, if we're not connected, we, are going to, we will drift when we're not connected. So let's not be drifters. Let's not drift away and get disconnected. Let's stay connected to the local church. It's an expression of our love for God, our love for one another, and recognizing that, listen, together we're better. Amen?